0: Good morning brothers and sisters. Welcome to the worship service this morning. We especially welcome any guests or visitors who have joined us today. Also those joining us via the live stream. We pray that this worship is to the glory of our Heavenly Father and that it's also uplifting and encouraging for us his people. Consistory has the following announcements. The consistory, the Lord willing, as elders and deacons, will meet tomorrow evening at 7.30 p.m. The congregation is reminded that Classes North will be convened by the Free Reformed Church of Melville and held here in this building coming Friday, 2nd of February. We're also informed that all catechism classes will commence next week. More details will be found in the source next Sunday. This morning, the worship service will be led by Brother Rolf Dykstra. Before we commence the worship service, let's sing praise to God with hymn 52, verse 1. Mm -hmm.
1: If you're able, please rise to receive the greeting of the Lord. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth, Amen. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. Amen. Let's join our voices together in adoration of our God and sing of his greatness, his mercy, and his grace with the words of Psalm 67, verse 1, 2, and 3. holy and awesome God and he has given the 10 commandments and these commandments reflect God's holiness and also highlight <coughs> highlight our need for a savior as we are confronted with the fact that we cannot keep this law we'll read these as found in Deuteronomy 5 so we now with all respect place ourselves under the discipline of this holy law of the Lord and let us test our lives on it as on the rule of thankfulness Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or female servant, or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Honour your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long, and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery, and you shall not steal, and you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, and you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, and you shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, or his male servant, or his female servant, his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. And in Matthew 22, the Lord Jesus was asked the question, teacher. What is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus responded and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and the first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Let's respond to this with the singing of Psalm
2: 1. Thank you.
1: come before our Lord and give him our adoration also ask him for a blessing over this worship service. Let's pray. Almighty God, our Father who is in heaven, how awesome and how majestic you are in all the earth. Lord, we come into your presence. We come before your glorious throne and we see how awesome you are. And they we're also confronted with who we are. Lord, we see that we're filthy with sin. And when we stand before your pureness, Lord, that's confronting. And yet, Lord, we thank you that you invite us, you command us to come before you in prayer. You even ask us to pray often, pray without ceasing. And Lord, we stand amazed that you would want us to do this. We thank you, then, that despite our sin, and we thank you that because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we're allowed to come before your glorious throne and speak with you, despite the wretched sinners that we are. Lord, that's amazing, and we thank you for that. And then this morning, you even bring us here, you put it in our hearts to be in church, you wake us up, You drive us, you prompt us with your spirit and we're allowed to be here. We thank you that you brought us here safely, that we could arrive here in church, find a seat and get ready for worship. Lord, this too is your work and we thank you for that. Of ourselves, a lot of us would maybe rather not be here. We can think of many other things to do and yet, Lord, this is where we need to be and we thank you that you drive us to be here. Lord, we heard your commandments this morning, and we see that you're a holy God. We see that you have a standard, and Lord, that too is a challenge when we see that we're so not able to do that. We're so not able to live according to what you ask of us. But Lord, you don't change your standard, and so we have a desperate need for a saviour. We have a need for someone to do it for us, for someone to fulfill the law perfectly. And Lord, as much as we can't do that, we're thankful that through Jesus Christ that we can. And we pray then that you'll also forgive the sins that we've committed in this past week. Lord, we all sit here and we're reflecting on the week that's gone by, each of us in a different way. Some of us have been working some of us have still enjoyed some holidays or preparing for school. Lord, others of us are busy in the home. Others of us maybe have reached an age where we don't work as much, or we're retired, or even maybe even in a retirement facility. Father, in all these things, we come here and we reflect on the week gone by, and we know that we have not honoured and praised you as we should have. And yet, Lord, we thank you That our sins through Jesus Christ are forgiven and that we get to sit here this morning and worship you and praise you Lord, what a gift and we give us a a joyful and a good worship service here this morning we pray that you'll take away the distractions that we may have before us or in our minds Lord we pray that you'll also take away any defenses that we may have in our heart and we ask that you will open our hearts. Allow us to be humble. Lord, work in us with your spirit so that we're humble and that we're able to receive your word into our lives. Lord, take away the heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. Lord, in this way, may we receive your word this morning. We ask these things through our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. The sermon we may hope to listen to this morning was put together by Reverend Rob Shuton, a minister of our sister church in Elder Grove, Canada. The theme he's given for the message from scripture this morning is the law of sowing and reaping in God's kingdom. And he's chosen as reading Galatians chapter 6. And following the reading of this chapter, we'll then sing from Psalm 37, verse 1, 2, and 3, which speaks of what it looks like to commit our ways to the Lord. So let's now read from Galatians 6 and if you have a guest Bible this can be found on page 1158. Brothers if anyone is caught in any transgression will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good For in due season we will reap, if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh that will force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the house, upon the the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me any trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. you still got your Bibles open at Galatians 6 and we hope to focus focus on verse 7 to 9 and we'll read those verses again do not be deceived God is not mocked for whatever one sows that will he also reap for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh Reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Following the Gospel message, we'll continue to praise God. For the singing of Hymn 48, verse 3. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you have a garden, you know that there is a law about plants. It's a very simple one, which we hardly ever think about, but it deserves attention. The law about plants is that you reap what you sow. If you sow corn, you don't get sunflowers. If you sow carrots, you don't get cauliflower. If you sow beets, you don't get broccoli. There's a direct link then between what you sow into the earth as a gardener and what over the next weeks and months you get out of the earth. And that's true not only for gardening, but it's actually true of many human activities that what we put in has a direct correlation to what comes out. Maybe we could apply this, for example, to what we eat and drink. If we have a steady diet of Big Macs, that will have a bad effect on your well-being. But if you have a steady diet of broccoli casserole and other similar delights, that would have a good impact on your overall well-being. Because in your diet, there is a law that you will reap what you sow. Now, there can be exceptions and other interruptions due to illness or other reasons, but that's generally the truth about human life. And what's true of the garden is true of your diet, and what's true of your diet is true of your employment, and what is true of your employment? Whatever you put put into it is very much correlated to what you get out of it. And in our text this morning, the Apostle Paul teaches us That there is not just a gardening law of sowing and reaping, but there is also a moral law of sowing and reaping. What Paul is getting at in this passage is really quite something that makes you sit up and take notice. Paul is saying that the kind of people we will be in one year, or five years from now, or 50 years from now, or even 5,000, is very connected to our choices that we make today and tomorrow and Tuesday and next month as long as the Lord gives us life there is a correlation between our choices and our conduct whether good or evil and the kind of people we ultimately become and so we'll consider this morning with the word of God before us the law of sowing and reaping in God's kingdom that's our theme and we'll consider how the law is stated by the Apostle Paul. Secondly, we will consider the negative form of this law, which brings a focus on a harvest of corruption. And thirdly, we will consider the positive version of this law, which makes us think about a harvest of eternal life. So first, then, the law is stated. Verse 7 begins with a warning by the Apostle Paul, and he says, do not be deceived. In other words, don't fool yourself. You know it's bad enough when someone else fools you, but it's far worse when you fool yourself. And that is the most common kind of deception there is. Maybe you look back on times when someone pulled the wool over your eyes and fooled you. Maybe it was a practical joke or maybe it was something more serious, a matter of a business arrangement or something financial, and you got fooled and you feel silly, because you got fooled. But you know self-deception is a lot harder to pick up on and yet it's far more common. Humans have all kinds of ways of fooling themselves and so Paul says here, don't fool yourselves. Don't pretend for a second that the law of sowing and reaping does not apply to you. It applies to gardening, we know that. And it applies to other people, of course. But somehow we have this idea that we can sow something without reaping something that correlates with what we've sown. For example, people imagine that they can tell a lie or two without consequences. And that illusion is strengthened because sometimes for a period of time, you can. Sometimes you don't face the consequences of a lie right away or even tomorrow. Or even next year. The Apostle Paul says, Don't be deceived. The law of sowing and reaping always applies. Or people steal some money and figure that no one will find out and they will get away with it. Or they look at some porn on their phone in their bedroom, engaging in lustful thoughts, and they imagine that they can do this without consequences as long as no, as long as no one finds out, right? Or maybe they have a bad habit of passing on slanderous remarks about people, and they never stop talking about the fact that, and they never stop to think about the fact that there will be consequences for all the words spoken, idle or negative words spoken about other people. There was a video on social media recently of crowds of people raiding a Walmart store in a American state that for a time was descending into lawlessness. They stole so much stuff that after a while all the shelves in the store were empty. Items of clothing, electrical items. People were walking down the streets with loads of food in the trolleys and nobody tried to stop them. And they imagined, I suppose, that they would get away with it. And maybe they will for a while. Maybe the law won't find them and maybe they won't ever stand before a judge and maybe they won't even be convicted or fined. And so what's striking about watching this video was that the people were sinning with such impunity, with such total and complete disregard for the law, for those who uphold the law and for the penalties of the law. They truly felt that they could violate the law and get away with it. But Paul would say to them, don't be deceived, you will reap what you sow. And to underscore this warning, Paul adds, God is not mocked. To mock God in this context means showing contempt for God and contempt for his commandments. Just like those people in Walmart were showing open contempt for the commandment of God which says, you shall not steal. So the word mock implies a measure of defiance, it's a way of saying God we don't even care about you, we don't even take you seriously, we don't care about that commandment and we believe that we're entitled to go and take what we will. To say that God is not mocked means that God is in fact aware of the conduct of all human beings in the world. He is aware of our attitudes, our desires, our words, our actions. There's not one thing that escapes the scrutiny of God Almighty. He knows what we are doing, and God, as the ultimate upholder of the law, will see to it that we do reap what we sow. Now, before we go any further with this text, perhaps you are thinking we should ask the question, How does this law of sowing and reaping actually fit with the gospel? Doesn't the gospel promise full and free forgiveness to every sinner? And so how can Paul say that sinners will always reap what they sow? Doesn't God give eternal life to those who deserve eternal death? So there's no way that the gospel is based on a law of reaping and sowing. The gospel is based, we would think, on a law of abundant, full, miraculous, and undeserved grace. Yes, that is all true. We should never say one word in any sermon or conversation that would undermine or diminish the sheer magnificence of the grace of God by which alone we are saved on the other hand we also need to think about this if you have received the gospel of grace into your life if you're here this morning as a person who has heard the message of gospel grace you've been baptized into the message of gospel grace you confess that message of gospel grace then how could you possibly go on sinning how could you go on sowing to the flesh of course We may sin out of weakness, every Christian does. We may sin because of stubborn persistence of old habits that you hate and you strive to overcome. But if you're a person who has heard the message of grace and you have received the message of God into your heart, then you are not going to defy God. You are not going to say God's commandments are of no concern to me if you're a person who is saved by grace you will not sin with impunity you could never be like those people walking into Walmart just grabbing what they want in open defiance of the commandments of the Lord that would be impossible for you as a person who is filled with the redemptive grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and if you are doing such things then the church of God Needs to disabuse you of the idea that you are a Christian. Because you are not a Christian if you are doing such things. So it's true that God's grace does cancel the law of reaping and sowing for those believers. But in another sense, God's grace upholds the law of reaping what you sow. Why is that? Because when you become a Christian, when you confess your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ you begin to sow a different kind of seed and the Word of God calls this the seed of the Spirit and you may know and be assured that as a Christian when you start sowing the seeds of the Spirit those righteous deeds that you perform will indeed bring forth fruits both now and eternally and we'll talk more of that on our third point when we discuss the harvest of eternal life so we see now Paul was very emphatically stating the law and he attaches a warning to that law to not be deceived. He tells us that God will not be mocked. So let's go on now to consider our second point which is a harvest of corruption. In verse 8 Paul says for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. Sowing to the flesh means engaging in activities that gratify and satisfy and indulge our sinful desires and selfish tendencies if you are sowing to the flesh you are putting your desires and your temporary satisfaction over and above obedience to God's commandments and God's will you are saying that what I want right now what I need right now matters more than the holy commandments of God that's what it means to sow to the flesh the flesh has a lot of wants a lot of needs and those who sow to the flesh prioritize those wants and needs and yield to them and do so continuously Galatians 5 gives us a whole list of the works of the flesh they're perhaps not as well known as the fruits of the Spirit I think many of us could recite the fruits of the Spirit, but maybe it would be equally beneficial to memorize the list of what Paul calls the works of the flesh because we need to know what Paul is talking about. Galatians 5 19, Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, Enmity, strife, hatred, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Maybe you don't want to fill your mind with this list. But there is a spiritual benefit in memorising it because it makes it concrete. These are sins of desire. These are sins of attitude. These are sins of word and deed. The apostle Paul says that when you yield to these sins, then you are sowing to the flesh. Or, to change the metaphor, you're investing in sin. And you know the thing about sin: when you invest in it, you always got to get a really good return on it. The return on the investment is described by the apostle Paul in those dreadful sounding words, you will reap corruption. So these are the things you do if you want to reap corruption and corruption means decay, degeneration, moral, physical, spiritual ruin and ultimately death. In other words you experience the negative consequences or outcomes of your sinful choices. Sometimes we can see the corruption before our own eyes. For instance, we see people abusing alcohol or other drugs, and we know where this is going. We can see it unfolding before our eyes. We can see a trajectory of decline. And some of us may have seen this in ourselves or in loved ones, people we care about deeply. And you see right before your eyes, people reaping what they sow. If you sow to alcohol or drugs, then you reap emotional, financial, relational and spiritual ruin. That's what poor means by reaping corruption. But sometimes it's not so obvious. For example, if someone constantly engages in lying, they will reap what they sow. They absolutely will. Just like the person who abuses alcohol. And what will they reap, ultimately? well they will reap lost trust they will reap damaged relationships they will reap a tarnished reputation but it's not just that you know what the worst thing about sinning by lying is it's that you steadfastly become more and more a liar and the rot of lying gets into your heart and mind ever more deeply and it corrupts you ever more fully so you see There is no such thing as just a little lie. Little lies lead to other little lies, and other little lies lead to some bigger ones. And then your whole life becomes a lie, and then you're nothing but a child of the devil who is the father of all lies, the ancient deceiver. So every time you sow a lie, you strengthen the power of lying in your heart. And that's terrifying. Do you want to do that? Do you want to strengthen the power of lying in your heart? Another example, perhaps one that's not so blatant, suppose that you are a negative person. I think we all recognise that these people exist. Maybe we all have a streak of negativity in us. But some people have a massive dose of it. If you're a negative person, then you always notice what's wrong with people, but hardly ever notice what's nice or good about them. You never miss a chance to deplore someone's conduct. Does that sound too close to home? Never missing a chance to deplore someone's conduct? That's negativity. But it's not just people you're negative about. You're negative about life as a whole. You see the world through a negative lens. and You frequently express this negativity. What's going to happen to you when you keep sowing to the sin of negativity? Well the terrible truth is that for every instance of choosing for negativity it makes you more and more negative and it consolidates the hold of negativity on you. You get more and more negative until you can see no good in life anymore or people in the world and what a catastrophe that is to be let's say 50 years old and you're seeing the world like that, and you're seeing people like that and you cannot rejoice in any good thing but everything is dark. You are reaping what you sowed. You sowed to negativity and you're now reaping massive amounts of increased negativity. Well, Let's consider sexual sin. It's a very common sin in our culture today the more we satisfy our desires in forbidden ways, dear brothers and sisters, the more we are controlled by these desires. And your choices, your sexual choices, they define the kind of person you are becoming and ultimately will be. So think about that today. Your sexual choices today will greatly affect the kind of person you are next January 28. And they will affect tremendously the kind of person you are in January 2026. In January 2036. Even January 2100. Some of you may live a long time. And your choices today are determining the kind of person you will be be then. Will you be a person growing in purity and conforming to the image of God? Or will you be a person who is increasingly controlled by the power of depraved sexuality. Sexual immorality does degrade you. It never leaves you untouched. It degrades you. There's a hidden cost in it. It degrades you. It degrades other people. It leads you away from the Lord and away from self-respect. Dear brothers and sisters, please remember Paul's words, God is not mocked. God is fully aware of our sexual choices and God will see to it that we do reap what we sow. It's very important brothers and sisters to realise in all aspects of our lives that the things we think, the things we desire, the things we say and chase after, these are shaping the kind of people we are becoming. Someone once wrote Sow a thought, reap a deed. Sow some deeds, reap a habit. Sow some habits, reap a character. And reap a character, sow a destiny. This is indeed a very handy and biblical way of summarising a lot of the truths from scripture. So if you are sowing to the flesh, then this morning the Lord through his word is warning you. Persistently and kindly, he is warning you, calling you to repent, to stop sowing to the flesh and to give your heart instead to Jesus Christ and to begin sowing to the spirit, which leads us to our last point, a harvest of eternal life. Apostle Paul says here, but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. What does it mean to sow to the spirit? The Holy Spirit is God's gift to his believing people. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you have received the Holy Spirit. What does this mean? It means that you have an internal guest in your heart. Sometimes you have a guest in your house and maybe you have a guest room somewhere or maybe you clear out one of the kids' bedrooms because you have a guest in your house. Well, when you have a guest in your house, that changes everything, doesn't it? Well, you have a very special guest in your house, a divine guest, a guest who is present in every Christian heart. There is something profoundly mysterious about that but also unbelievably strengthening and comforting what is the work of the Holy Spirit his work is to prompt you toward holiness and not only prompt you to holiness but empower you to holiness the Holy Spirit is inside of you to strengthen you and to guide you so that you may learn to walk in the ways of the Lord And when you are led by the Holy Spirit, Galatians 5, then you are sowing to the Spirit. When you are led by the Spirit, for example, and the Spirit prompts you to do an act of kindness and you follow his leading by actually doing the act of kindness, then you are sowing to the Spirit. When the Spirit strengthens you to say no to temptation and instead to embrace something good and pure, You are sowing to the Spirit. When you sow to the Spirit, it's never in vain. Instead, Paul says, you will always reap something. Ultimately, you will reap eternal life. The kingdom, eternal life, and the kingdom of God. But we should realise that the eternal life, which we will finally receive in fullness of the day of Christ is something that we are already meant to be growing into. We're meant to be growing into eternal life. We don't want to be growing into eternal death, but we want to be growing into or actually becoming more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ in lives of spirit-filled love and kindness. Sometimes it may seem to us that our acts of doing good, our acts of sowing to the Spirit, don't bear much fruit. I think many of us could probably tell stories of how we were striving to do the right thing, we were prayerfully considering the will of God and you wanted to do the will of God and it didn't really seem to bear much fruit and maybe may even made your problems worse. Sometimes our good deeds are not noticed or acknowledged. Sometimes our good deeds are simply despised. You're trying to do good, and people despise or mock you for it. And sometimes they even seem to be drowned out by the evil deeds of others. So here you are sowing to the spirit, but the people who are sowing to the flesh have a lot more clout, and their influence is a lot more obvious. And sometimes we maybe just don't seem to have the energy anymore for doing good. You're kind of tired of doing good. Maybe you've got good works burnout or at least good works fatigue. Maybe you've been doing good works for so long and the fruit of it seems so little and your problems seem to continue anyway. Paul's words in verse 9 seem to suggest that Christians can simply grow tired of doing good and that's why he says do not weary of doing good. We need the encouragement of the Apostle Paul, who says that if we persevere in sowing to the Spirit, we will, in due time, in due season, receive a harvest. Some of that harvest will be seen in this life. Some of that harvest would not be seen until the day of Christ. But it will be seen and it will be given. Let me give you an example, brothers and sisters, of how this might play out in your life. Earlier we spoke about the habits of negativity that people sometimes indulge in as an example of sowing to the flesh. But if you realise that you are prone to negativity, and if you confess that sin before the Lord and take it seriously and prayerfully ask God to strengthen you, by his spirit and word and you fight against that sin and you strive through the power of the spirit to become positive grateful joyful then you can expect a harvest a sincere spirit-filled determination to be positive will bring a harvest if you learn to focus on God's almighty work of redemption in the world if you start affirming what is good about your fellow Christian instead of what is bad about them if you learn to delight in good things instead of deploring bad things if instead of taking negative cues from the evening news but rather from the gospel of the kingdom of God in scripture then you know what will happen to you you will grow grow into a more positive person you become increasingly more positive you'll become increasingly joyful you'll become increasingly thankful you will become more and more devoted to the Lord and to grow in that identity more and more until at last God crowns you in the day of Christ by giving you perfectly sanctified hearts let me give another example in this chapter Paul talks about a lot about doing good for everyone. He's thinking of works of charity that we can do for other people. Let's suppose you commit to working with a local Christian charity because you feel God tugging at your heart and you had some time and space in your life and so you did it. You just took the plunge. You signed up, you got involved and you started investing time and energy maybe some money into this charitable cause you know what you're doing when you do that you are sowing to the spirit because the spirit is a spirit who generates a desire to be a blessing to others you're sowing to the spirit and what will you reap? well as you do these different kinds of good things you will actually be turning into a different kind of person and the power of goodness will be consolidated in you and you will grow and it will increasingly stamp you as a child of God. You are working for the king and you will become more and more like him as you sow to the spirit. Hence, you do reap already in this life what you sow. One final example, let's suppose you have been convicted that you really need to spend more time in the good work of prayer and the word and so you rearrange your life maybe you decide to get up fifteen minutes earlier or take fifteen in the middle of the day or half an hour in the evening whatever it takes you just decide I'm going to make time in the word and time in prayer an important priority in my life more important than watching sports more important than playing sports This. Is going to be a very significant priority for me. I'm seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I'm going to do that in part by devoting myself to prayer and the word. That's what you call sowing to the Spirit because it's only from the Spirit that those desires come. And what do you think you will reap from this sowing? The Bible indicates that all the time you put into the word and prayer will yield a harvest. And you know what that harvest will be. It will be a faith that is stronger, a love that is deeper, and a hope that is purer, and a life that is more joyful and peaceful. And so we could speak of many more examples. But every time you respond to the Spirit's prompting and make a choice for good, Every time you sow to the spirit, your heart is turning into, a, in, your heart is turned into something a little bit different than what it was before. Just think about that. When you sow to the spirit, the spirit is actually bringing about a permanent effect on your heart. Maybe we could say it like this: by sowing to the spirit, you are becoming step by step a more heavenly creature, someone more and more godly, someone who more and more reflects the image and righteousness of God. Now to be sure sowing to the Spirit is not easy. Maybe it sounds easy when you hear a sermon about it, but when you set out to sow to the Spirit and you're just as determined about it as the gardener on his knees sowing those little tiny carrot seeds, There's quite a lot of work involved in sowing. And if you're persistently busy in sowing to the Spirit, you will find out that it's not easy. And if it's easy for you, then you're not really sowing to the Spirit because sowing to the Spirit often involves saying no to what comes naturally to us. Sewing to the Spirit cuts into our comfort. It cuts into our conveniences. It cuts into our pleasure. We are people who are lovers of self, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure and sowing to the spirit cuts into those idolatries and sometimes it hurts like crazy because we're used to these idolatries running our lives and now all of a sudden we're fighting them and we're saying no, we're not going to sow to those idolatries anymore. We're going to sow to the spirit. It also, by the way, gets us involved in messy situations. That's what happens when you try to do good. You can't keep your hands clean anymore. There's all kinds of hurting, broken people around you with struggles of all kinds and you're sowing to the spirit and that means you're getting into their messes. And it's not fun. And sometimes you wish you didn't have to but you do anyway it's not easy to say to the spirit to do the good works commanded by God and we often have to deny ourselves consider this dear brothers and sisters how the Lord Jesus Christ blazed the trail for us of self-denial our Lord Jesus Christ did not live on this earth to satisfy himself he did not seek to maximize his pleasure in every moment instead he accepted a path of suffering and pain and ultimately death on a cross for us even if perhaps you're not fully impressed by that fact at this time nonetheless that's what he did he accepted a path of suffering and pain and self-denial culminating in a wretched death on a Roman cross for you me and Jesus in so doing was sowing to the spirit in fact we read in Hebrews 9 verse 14 that it was through the eternal spirit that Christ offered himself on the cross and what did he reap from this act of sowing to the spirit He reaped the wonderful harvest of resurrection and life and glory. When Jesus came bursting forth from the tomb on Easter Sunday, full of immortal life and glory, this was a direct fruit of his act of sowing to the Spirit. It was a fruit of his self-denying sacrifice. By the Spirit, he did good, and the result was life and mortality for him and for all who believe and confess his name. And so, with that in mind, may I say to you with the words of the Apostle Paul Do not grow weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap if you do not give up. Sow to the Spirit in your household, sow to the Spirit in your marriages. If you're having marriage issues, then ask yourself, What am I sowing to in my marriage? Am I sowing to self? Or am I sowing to the Spirit? If you're having trouble in your family relationships, ask yourself, what am I sowing to in my family? If you're having trouble at work, ask yourself, what are you sowing to? If you're having trouble at school, ask yourself, what are you sowing to? God says that if we sow to the Spirit in our households, our marriages, At workplace or school, you will reap a wonderful harvest of love and joy and peace, both in this life and in the age to come. Amen. This morning we'll remember with thanks that yesterday Brother Wally and Leonie Tenhaaf were blessed to be able to celebrate 35 years of marriage. Let's come before the Lord in prayer. Almighty God, we come before your holy throne once again. And Lord, we come before you with humble hearts. we have been confronted with, once again, How easy it is to sow to the flesh and Lord we're sorry for all the times that we've done that but Lord we also plead on the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of your Holy Spirit that you will continue to make us people who sow to the Spirit Father help us to take the warning from this morning but also to take the encouragement to be encouraged that you are faithful And when you promise that you will empower us with your spirit, then you will indeed do that. Father, there are times when we struggle to see your power in our life, your presence in our life. Sometimes maybe we even wonder whether we have your spirit. Lord, those are dark days. And yet, Lord, please convince us, please show us, please continue to Give us what we need to understand and to know that even on those days when we feel like we're alone, that you have us in the palm of your hand. Lord, it's not about what we feel, but it's about knowing that you are a faithful God. If you said you will carry us, and help us to just be okay with that, that you will carry us, and to trust that this is who you are, and you are dependable. And so, Lord, we pray that as we move forward with this gospel in our hearts, that we make a, an effort to sow to the Spirit, that we make decisions in our life with the power of the Spirit, prompted by the Spirit to do good and to even not grow weary of doing good. Lord, it's not about what people think of us, but it's about what you think of us. So, Lord, help us even when we're by ourselves with no one watching, that we do good, that we sow to the spirit and trust that we can reap a harvest from you in this life and in the life to come. Lord, we pray that you'll bless us as we journey through life and will you please help us to grow in this gospel and Father we pray if it is your will that we can also see those fruits in ourselves help us to also encourage one another in this Lord. sometimes we don't see it in ourselves and it's nice when someone else comes and gives us a compliment Well, we pray that in this way we may be those people who are positive and who look for the good in each other or bless us with that kind of spirit too that we encourage each other and if one of us stumbles or falls that there is someone ready to pick us up Lord, will you please grant us that kind of spirit also in this congregation here in Southern River Lord may we truly be a hand and a foot to each other not just in word but also in deed and not be afraid at times to get our hands dirty when there's work to be done Father we pray that you will also continue to spread the gospel we sit here this morning under the preaching we're so blessed but Lord there's many people who still have a God-sized hole in their life and it needs to be filled. So, Father, will you please continue to give us all opportunity, people that cross our paths, people that walk through the doors of this church, whatever situations, Lord, will you open the gospel to them? Will you open their hearts? Lord, there's so many beautiful things, beautiful promises that you have. And we pray, Lord, reveal yourself to those who are lost and also, Lord, we pray that those who are lost may seek you. And we ask that if it is your will, use us as tools in this work as well. And we thank you, Lord, that you've encouraged us already, that we can look back. and Many of us know people who have come to faith. What an encouragement that you give us. And help us with things like this too, to not grow weary, but to be encouraged. That you are busy, you are working, doing good. Father we know that the the year is starting up again committees are looking for meeting dates again and the consistory is meeting again. Father there's so many things that happen in church life there's a lot of activity we thank you for that we ask that you will give wisdom to the office bearers give wisdom to the people on the committees Communicare and the Comm and others we'll give wisdom and give energy to the sextons and people who look after the church building. Lord there's so many things that make a a church tick and we ask that you'll give a lot of wisdom and and the required energy and time to make all these things happen. We're so grateful for the church community and also for this church building. Lord we ask that you'll also bless the the catechism classes. We thank you that once again this year we can have some young people who would like to start the professional faith course. Lord, what a, what a beautiful thing that is to know that you've worked and that you're busy in the hearts of these people. And we pray will you grant these young members a, a good and a blessed year as they look forward to, if it is your will, to profess the faith at the end of this year. Lord, we're also asking you that you'll bless us in our homes. Bless the families, also bless those family relationships that we have. Father, in all these things, help us to once again sow to the Spirit and that we become people who are humble and willing to give of ourselves. Lord, we ask that you also bless those who don't have a big family circle, those who spend a lot of time by themselves. Lord, show them too that you are their God, that you are faithful, and on those times when they do feel lonely, Lord, will you encourage them, comfort them and also make them known to us so that as a community we carry them as well. Father, we're so grateful for your goodness to us and we think especially now of our brother and sister Wally and Leonie Half. Lord, yesterday they could celebrate 35 years of marriage. Together with them, we're so thankful for the love and faithfulness that you've shown to them in keeping them safe in the palm of your hand. In your wisdom, you place significant trials on their paths, and yet, together with them, we see your fatherly hand in caring for them both and for drawing them even nearer to you through these trials. Thank you for the faithful care that you give to Leonie, that she's able to care for Wally, especially in the last year, when he had to undergo his brain surgery. Lord, there was a time after surgery that it seemed that Wally's task on earth was done, but you had other plans, and today we rejoice with them in your goodness. Will you please bless them both, love them and provide for them, and each day, please continue to care for them and also their children. Give them and their family a joyous time of reflection in your goodness. Lord, we'd also like to pray for the work of the the deacons as well. Thank you for their faithfulness. We ask that you bless them in their task as they begin their visits again and continue with their care over the congregation. This morning we also hope to collect for the Canadian Theological College and we pray that you will Grant your blessing over the work that goes on there. Lord, it's a, it's a beautiful work that happens there at the seminary, and we thank you for the wisdom and the abilities that you've given to the professors and the, the staff there. At the same time, Lord, we also ask that you will raise up more men who want to become preachers, more men who want to deliver the wonderful news of the gospel. Lord, please be powerful, working in the hearts of these men, And will you steer them in the direction of the college so that more and more we can get faithful, reformed preachers on our pulpits. Lord, we thank you that you've blessed us in this way already, that you do grant us faithful men who preach your word. Lord, we ask will you grant more and more of these. We place all these things before your throne of grace. We thank you for this worship service this morning. Will you please bless the offerings now that we give for the Theological Seminary, and we ask these things in good hope through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Saviour. Amen. So as mentioned, the collection this morning is for the support of the Canadian Reformed Theological Seminary, and once the collection has been taken, you're invited to rise and we'll sing in closing hymn 75. blessing of the lord and go in peace the grace of the lord jesus christ and the love of god and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with you all